This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we look back on a big NASCAC championships for the men's swimming and diving team by chatting with male Bobcat of the Week and Lewiston native Matt Charest. Plus, the women's squash team wants third Walker Cup title in the last four years, and we preview the tennis and softball seasons. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's swimming and diving team achieved its goal of finishing the upper half of the conference over the weekend, coming from behind on the final day to edge Colby for fifth place at the NESCAC Championships. Lewiston native Matt Charest turned in a breakthrough performance for Bates, starting day one when he tied the program record in the 50-yard breaststroke in the morning prelim and earned all NASCAC honors with a third-place finish in the final. On day two, he finished fourth in the 100-yard breaststroke and helped Bates take sixth in the 200-medley relay. Then on the final day of competition, Charest earned more points for the Bobcats by finishing eighth in the 200-yard breaststroke. And Matt Charest is our male Bobcat of the week. Tying the school record in the 50-yard breaststroke. How cool of experience was that? I mean, how were you feeling during that swim? Um, yeah, so that was uh, on the first day of the meet. Yep. And I was super excited to get in my first race. Um, that was the, the first race that I had. Um, that was when I set the school record. So I was just excited, um, ready to go, uh, and ready to score points for the team. Um, I had prepared all season for NESCAC, so that's the, the big event. So I was just really excited to uh, get that first race out of the way and uh, continue uh, strong throughout the meet. Yeah, well, when you start to be that strong, right, tying the school record, you have to come back and swim that night, though. So what's that mentality like going, going through the rest of the day, preparing to swim at night? Early in the day uh, for the first session, I usually like to uh, try and swim my hardest um, because you're trying to qualify for uh, an A, B, or C final. Uh, and if you swim fast enough, you make the A final, which is a lot more points in a B or C final. Um, so that was pretty much my goal uh, for the meet, to try and solidify at least three A finals uh, and score as many points for the team as possible. Excellent. And the team, by the way, uh, overtook Colby on the final day. When did you learn that you had overtaken them, and what was that experience like? Yeah, so Coach had told us about uh, how close the meet was, yeah. and we, we definitely knew throughout the whole meet that it was going to be close. Um, and we were gunning for that fifth-place finish uh, right on top of Colby. And I think it was going right into the last relay. Mm. We were about five points ahead of Colby, and we knew that we had to come up uh, ahead of them uh, in order to uh, beat them. So it was really exciting, um, and everybody performed perfectly to uh, end the meet uh, on a high note. What was the last relay? So the, the last relay was a 400 uh, freestyle relay. Okay. So you were watching that one. Uh, I was watching that What one. was the experience like watching from the pool deck? From the pool deck, all the guys were behind the, behind the lanes just going crazy, cheering so loud. So um, I think that was a great experience. Uh, I think that's almost an even better experience, cheering for your teammates uh, at the end of the lane, um, just seeing them swim extremely fast. So 
that was an awesome experience. Yeah, so the, the men's team, obviously, you guys graduated so many, you know, record-breaking swimmers last year. You know, Teddy Pender, Riley Yu, and Jonathan Deputy, the list goes on. What was it like this year to have, you know, a younger team, a team with maybe less experience, but still getting top half of the conference? Yeah, so um, all the, the freshmen that uh, came in to NESCAX were definitely nervous. I had some come up to me saying that, that they were nervous, and I would just tell them, you know, you've trained all season for this, and uh, you're prepared. You've gone to uh, dual mates against most of these teams, and you performed amazingly then, and why not now? You, you can do it now, and they definitely did, and I thought that was awesome. Um, and a lot of swimmers definitely stepped up in, in place of those people that we lost, um, which was also great to see. Last week we talked with Caroline Apathy on the women's team and how she's so good at the butterfly. How did you get so good at the breaststroke? In high school, I kind of got good at breaststroke. Um, I would always come to bait swim camp, uh, and that would be a, a particular thing that I would work on when I was here at swim camp in high school. And uh, I think it's an interesting event and different from all the other strokes, and uh, I think the breaststroke... Um, breaststroke events are just meant for me. Excellent. Now, Lucian High School, did you have meets at Bates ever at Tarbell Pool? Because I saw at Lucian every little had a meet earlier this year. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I actually had my senior meet was the first time we had a meet in high school at Bates. Okay, nice. Um, so that was my senior meet, my last meet. So it was kind of uh, really exciting knowing that I had Bates to think about next, and I was, I was having my high school, last high school meet at Bates. So it, it was, uh, that was a really cool experience, um, and it got me excited about Bates too. All right, so, you know, who else shined, in your opinion, at NASCAX? That, I mean, obviously the team did really well. Yeah, um, I think bo both Tanner Fowler and uh, Jim Bullock um, did really well. They went abroad um, this year, and coming back, um, they were putting down impressive times um, and really just like stunning us, um, especially coming back from abroad. Um, I thought did, they did really well. Also, uh, Andrew Hall did extremely well and Peter Corey. There's just so many names that like yeah. uh, did so well. I, I think most of the team had personal bests, so um, those are just a few to name. So now, obviously, with the with the off season starting, basically, right? What what what's your plan? You know, to come back strong for your senior year. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to start lifting, um, get get stronger. I think that has helped me throughout freshman year, sophomore year, and junior year. Um, that's been a really big thing in the uh, off season uh, to focus on. Um, we're definitely going to get a group of swimmers uh, go into the weight room um, in the afternoons. And we'll have uh, some time to swim as well. Um, so just getting consistency going with weight training and also being in the pool consistently as well. Um, I think that'll help me for, for senior year. I'm curious, we, we always track how our posts do on social media and stuff. And obviously you being from Lewiston, it was getting a lot of looks. And I, I think I saw your, your dad or one, you know, one of your relatives share it. Uh, have, you, have you heard from you know, locals in the Lewiston area about what you did at NESCAX? Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> really excited, um, especially my parents. My parents were extremely supportive. Um, can't thank them enough. Um, and it seems like the, the posts my dad shared um, – Many people have been saying congratulations, and I thank them all for that. that. That's really awesome and really great to see that I'm having an impact out there as well. So 
Yeah. Do you feel this year, I mean, obviously it was a breakthrough NESCACs for you. Do you feel this year in the whole has been kind of a breakthrough in terms of you going from being underclassman now to an upperclassman? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely feel like I have a, a new role on the team. Um, I definitely feel like I, I'm able to give advice to some of the freshmen um, a little bit more easy. Um, and then also getting advice from the seniors is great to have. Um, and I'm hoping to continue that next year and provide advice and support to anybody that needs it on the team. Um, and I think it's a great role to have, and I, I feel like my career uh, at Bates has helped me uh, do this. All right, well, one more year to go. Match the rest. Male Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a good one. The women's squash team won its third Walker Cup title in the last four years at Team Nationals over the weekend. The Bobcats defeated Hamilton 9-0 on Friday then swept Dickinson 9-0 in Saturday's semifinals and defeated Tufts 6-3 to clinch the title on Sunday. Bates had lost twice previously to Tufts this year, but this time the Bobcats pulled out the win. Senior captain Vicky Arjun is our female Bobcat of the Week, having swept all three of her matches. But to wrap up the women's squash season, we sat down with all four seniors, Arjun, co-captain Christina Alexova, Katie Bull, and Molly Brooks. These four went a combined 11-1 over the weekend. Coming off Team Nationals, the third Walker Cup title in four years for the team. Katie, we'll start with you at number nine. You'd played this Tufts uh, woman twice before this year. This time you were able to sweep her. What was the big difference for you turning the tables this time around, you think? Uh, my other teammates just really motivated me to come back this time and do it for the team. I, was, I just really wanted to um, make that contribution. What was really working out there on the court, you thought? I was just a lot more focused and ready to go from the start and jumped out to an early lead and held on to that. Vicki, you swept everyone you faced this this weekend. Uh, what was working for you out there? Um, definitely felt a bit more confident. I think uh, coming off of NESCACs, I've played several of these girls before um, and throughout the regular seasons to sort of like knowing their game and that built up confidence that I had going in, knowing that this is my last nationals, this is my last imprint on bait squash. I think that really motivated me to push for myself and for the girls. And Christina, how did it feel, you know, to end your career on a high note like this in terms of your time here at Bates and what you've done and, and getting a third Walker Cup? What was it like, you know, after that final match, perhaps? Uh, I mean, I was really happy because it was like probably the last match of my squash career. So I tried to give it all and just to like um, be there for the team and everything. And we won, so <laughs> it felt great. Absolutely. And Molly, you know, two of those teams, Dickinson and Tufts, the team obviously had lost to before this year. What it was like for you to flip that script a little bit? Uh, individually, I didn't, but as a team, it was really awesome to get that win, um, especially um, coming from a 6-3 loss, I think, in the beginning of the season. Um, to that, it just felt really good to just do it all together. I'm playing against Dickinson, too. Um, I lost to Dickinson early in the season, as the whole team did. So um, it was really good to get that, that win, um, especially 9-0. That was a big change, um, so it felt really good. Yeah, way back in November, you played Dickinson to start the season, right, Katie? And it seems like the, the team, obviously, is, is much different at the end, right? You, you had some big additions throughout the year with, with Katie and Maeve coming back, and that much really helped things as well, right? Yeah, just having everyone come back and with the extra training and motivation from being together for a longer amount of time. We really came together. Vicki, you're headed to individual nationals for the fourth time in your career. What's the experience been like the past few seasons playing there, and what do you take from that into this season? It's been pretty intense before. I mean, I, just looking back on it now, I remember my first individual nationals with Christina, um, just freshman year. It was really tough going into it because you know that you're playing some of the top players in the country. 
Uh, you don't know where you're going to end up on the draw, so really and truly you can be playing somebody from an SCAC college or from an Ivy League. It really depends. Um, and I think that that level of competition really pushes me um, to focus on my individual game and to better my own personal game, but at the same time, I'm also representing Bait Squash, so it's really a great way to go out on a bang. Christina, you and Vicky were the captains this year. What was that experience like for you being uh, one of the captains? It was a great experience. I remember we had Eliza at the beginning, and um, so it was a little bit more work, like uh, when she left in January, but I mean, Vic's been doing a lot of work, so. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like pretty much my first leadership experience. She did that last year, so she taught me a lot. For sure, Molly, what was it like to have these two as like captains? It was great. Vic and Christine are some of my best friends, so it was a lot of fun having two people that I like knew really well, but also knew I could talk to about everything as captains and leaders. Um, so they're just really awesome and super supportive and really I think made everyone on the team feel like they contributed too, which I think is really important on a small team. Um, there are 10 of us, give or take a few. Um, so it was really nice to have two people that I knew really well and could talk to about anything. Katie, similar thoughts? I mean, it seems like a lot of laughs and, and, and fun team. Yeah, we always have a really fun time together, and you can tell that Vicky and Christina really care about us, so that means a lot. Molly, I'm curious, after it was all over, what did Pat kind of say to the team after winning that Walker Cup title? I mean, he turned to the four of us and just said, like, you know, thank you for four great years. I think the four of us have been through a lot of changes um, in the bait squash program, um, and, you know, Pat's been through some changes too with his own life, so I think it's been um, – yeah, I was just saying thank you and, and congratulations. Um, and I think, yeah, just doing it all the four of us, it's really nice to have like all four of us as a team. Um, and I think that's really kind of what helped me especially get through, you know, the four years was having them um, be a support system, um, which was really great. So, Christina, I'm curious, you know, when you graduate from Bates this spring and everything, do you have plans on, you know, playing squash, um, you know, after graduation? Because some, you know, some kids say, you know, they don't want to and some, some want to continue. Uh, and I've been playing for about like now it's like 14 years or so so I think individually I don't want to play anymore but uh, <laughs> I might coach like kids or just occasionally hit with someone else but also maybe I'm some coaching not, yeah maybe some coaching but I'm not like planning on playing competitively anymore <laughs> yeah so from a coaching perspective obviously you get a lot of great experience because you coach each other kind of right I and mean, what's that experience been like Definitely. Um, I mean, I've been in situations where Katie Bull was playing three our freshman year and Christina was playing one, so we've really been around each other for forever. And I think that I respect their opinion more than anyone else's. Um, and I think that, like, they know my game better than anyone else. So really and truly, like, coming off court between games, they can see from a whole new side of my game that I really need to learn from, and I really and truly value that. Katie, I'm curious because uh, I believe you told me before your dad played here, right? Yeah, and so you're kind of continuing the, you know, what the squash tradition and whatnot. What, what were your talks with him about, like throughout these four years, maybe about you know playing on the women's squash team here? Um, it's definitely been a really big part of my career at Bates, and I think it means a lot to my dad too um, to see that. And he was there for my last match yesterday, which meant a lot to me. What was it like for you walking off the court after you won and you was like, this is this is it, right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it's been a great four years and I'll definitely miss the team a lot. All right, we got Katie Bull, Vicky Arjun, Christina Alexova, and Molly Brooks. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. The lacrosse teams got their seasons underway last week. The men took on number three nationally ranked RIT on the UMass Amherst campus. It came up just short 
falling 14-12. Junior captain Curtis Napton scored three goals, and junior captain Matt Lestava tallied a goal and three assists in the loss. In women's lacrosse, Bates visited Cabrini on Thursday, and the Bobcats won by a final score of 20-12. Senior Katie Allard and sophomore Summer Dias scored four goals apiece, and newcomer sophomore Catherine Grennan also scored four goals in her Bates debut. Grennan is a transfer from William & Mary, and she joined the Bobcast to talk about her journey to becoming a Bobcat. I decided to transfer when I realized that the Division I rigor of lacrosse was just too much for me as a student athlete. And um, going to boarding school, NESCAC was kind of a no-brainer, so I started looking at schools uh, last year, and Bates just ended up being the school that fit the best for me. So how, how was that process, you know, when you look at Bates coming out of high school also, or was it just you decided, you know, after Women Mary wasn't working out that you wanted to come to NESCAC? So, yeah, I, uh, my junior year I was kind of deciding whether or not I wanted to go the Division One route or the Division Three route. So I definitely was looking at Bates because I always had just heard amazing things about Bates from people from my high school and growing up in Maine. Um, and then once I decided that I wanted to go Division One, it kind of obviously went to the back of my head. But then the whole time I just knew that if I could see some see myself at Bates and I knew that it would be if I wanted to transfer, it would be an awesome place for me. This past week was your first time playing in a lacrosse game in a while, right? Yeah, it was the first time I played in a real lacrosse game since my senior year of high school. So it was definitely a long time coming, but it was really awesome. Four goals, right? So what, what, how, how did it open up on the field for you on attack? Yeah, so um, our attacking unit has a really good chemistry this year and just good passes inside. Like my teammates made made it really easy for me and yeah, my shots just went in, which was really awesome. I often ask about adjustments from high school to college. What adjustments have you made going from first boarding school to, to women Mary now to Bates? Yeah, I mean, definitely last year playing fall ball, we had lacrosse multiple times a week. So even though I haven't played since high school, I did a lot of lacrosse last fall. And transitioning to college, that transition was pretty smooth uh, through that first semester. So coming back, it wasn't too hard to get used to the pace of play. But obviously, the NESCAC is a really fast-paced league. So I'll be interested to see once I get into the NESCAC play. And you have a fellow Division One transfer, Katie Clark, who's your roommate. How's that been? We get along really well. Um, and having that bond, I mean, there, it's not that often that we have transfers to the NESCAC. I know Brett said we've only had one other transfer uh, ever. And so having the two of us at the same time, both coming from Division One schools, um, has just been awesome. And it made the transition super easy. And tell us about her a little bit, um, her background and whatnot. Yeah, so she's from Rumson, New Jersey, and uh, she played at Lafayette College last year. And both of her brothers went here and played on the men's team. Her, one of her brothers is a senior right now, Cooper Clark. So I think for her, Bates was a no-brainer. And uh, she's an awesome defender. She's a really big presence on the field. So it's been awesome to have her through the whole transition as well. So growing up in Cape Elizabeth, when did you start playing lacrosse? When did you get into the sport? Yeah, so in Cape Elizabeth, I'm sure it's even earlier now, but uh, at my time, we started in third grade. and. Um, Starting by fifth grade, I started playing Maniacs, which is actually the club team that both of our coaches, Lauren and Brett, own together. So I knew Lauren and Brett from when I was little. And once I uh, switched to my boarding school, I played for a team in Massachusetts. But yeah, playing um, with them had always been nice because tra like transferring here was a super easy transition because I had worked with them before. 
but yeah, started in third grade. So Brent had actually coached you before? Or? He um he didn't own the club till later on, okay. but Lauren, our assistant, had sure. been my coach since I was in like fifth grade. So it was yeah, super easy. And even in high school I would meet with her and shoot around with her, so it was awesome to have her as an assistant. I know Lauren's been an assistant here before, but this is her first year back after a couple years away. Did you, did you know when you were coming to Bates that she was going to be assistant coach this season? No, I actually yeah. had no idea, and we didn't find out till recently, uh -huh. and I had shot around with her over winter break before she was even the assistant coach, and it was just awesome. I was super excited to find out. Outstanding, and then um, so one game in, how's the team looking? What can you tell us about what you saw from your teammates this, this past week? Yeah, I think we have a really uh, great team this year. Obviously, I haven't been here in the past years, but the chemistry is awesome. We have a really great dynamic. Everyone gets along so well. And our week in New Jersey, we finally got the flow of some of our new systems, and so far we've looked awesome. I know you had an exhibition game before the regular season game against Cabrini. How'd that help, kind of help everybody? Yeah, I think with our um, with our new subbing system where we're kind of playing more attack and defense, not as many midfielders, it took a while to work out the kinks with just having too many people on and all the offsides kind of stuff. But once we got that worked out in our exhibition game, Cabrini game, it was super smooth and it's looking awesome. Yeah, so the system on the roster is only one midfielder listed. So how does that work kind of? Yeah, it's just kind of like three people come off from the defense and three people come on from the offense. Um, it's kind of more like the men's game where they have offensive middies and defensive middies. But yeah, it's worked out really well so far. And I think we're working to our strengths and using more attacking-minded players and defensive-minded players and not as many midfielders this year. What do you got coming this way? I believe you have a game coming up here. Yeah, so we're playing Wheaton College tomorrow um, down at Wheaton and we're super excited to have a game more up north and then we are looking forward to our first NESCAT game on Saturday against Middlebury. Yeah, quite a few road games before you finally get a home one there in Garcelon, huh? Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're super excited for Garcelon, but yeah, we've got a couple games on the road before that. All right, Catherine Grennan, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. The tennis teams traveled to Florida last week to get their spring season underway. The men won the doubles point against Division II Rollins College and the Bobcats defeated Rose Holman 8-1. The women's team geared up for Division Three play with matches against Division II Rollins and Division I Oakland, respectively. Head coach Paul Gassengay talks about his team's challenging trip. We really enjoyed this trip. We got some amazing work done. The weather was phenomenal. It was close to almost 90 degrees every day, high 80s. So it was an adjustment in terms of dealing with the heat and the, the fitness. But I thought we did a really good job with that. Um, the nice thing about playing in the heat is you're loose immediately, but then conditioning's uh, a part. Uh, so we did double sessions uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then we started our match play on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, it was an amazing trip. I mean, the, the beautiful part about it, like California's great. We've been there for 10 years, and there's some great D3 teams to play out there, but it's our first week of practice. So it's really tough uh, to go out and, you know, fly six, seven hours, get off a plane, train for a day, and then start playing matches. And, and this year we, we decided to mix it up and go to Florida. We trained at the USTA National Campus, which is the mo most phenomenal facility in the country. It's where all the U.S. up-and-coming uh, pros and touring pros train. Uh, so the facilities are top-notch. They have over 100 courts. Um, they have a collegiate uh, bank of courts, which is set up for a live uh, broadcast of six matches. And they have a bank of six on one side and six on the other. And so 
it's a phenomenal f facility to play at and to train at. So we had the opportunity to, to train there, and, and uh, we played two matches against Rollins, Rollins College's Division II, uh, mostly uh, almost full scholarship because they can give academic money as well as athletic money. So a lot of international players on both teams. So a very high-level team. They beat a lot of D1 teams. They're very strong uh, year in, year out. And I was really pleased with our performance, having only four practices, uh, four days of practice. And we went right into playing a very high-level team. And the women played phenomenal. Uh, the score it was uh, a 6-1 score. But we were in the doubles matches. We really played well. Uh, big adjustment. Uh, they only play six game sets for doubles and it's no ad scoring so you get down a break and it's, it's super quick yeah. but we were actually up a break in a couple matches and then it, it, it kind of went the other way but um, I thought we fought really well we played really strong tennis uh, so it was a great way to start the season and uh, we got a win from Hannah Sweeney at number one which was, was a lot of fun she played a phenomenal match and then the guys played Rollins the, uh, the next day on Thursday and we ended up winning the doubles point because in Division One and Two, uh, you play a seven-point match, and you you get one point for doubles. So if you win two out of three doubles, you get the one doubles point. So we won uh, pretty convincingly at the top two spots, and we lost at the third spot, but we got the doubles point, and we played really strong in singles as well. Uh, Q, uh, Josh Keanu lost. Uh, in a match tiebreaker at number one, and Vidyadov uh, lost uh, a, a match tiebreaker at number three, and then we were in the balance. You know, we were really close in, in a couple other matches. Um, so I was pleased with that. Um, but again, you know, it's a work in progress, and we have to get a lot tougher. So. Well, yeah, you're challenging this, these teams right away. I mean, the women, first of all, you had a D2 match the women won in the fall against Merrimack. Now you have them play a D2 team in Rollins and then also a D1 team in Oakland. I mean, they haven't played a D3 team yet. I know. We had this amazing opportunity to play Oakland University out of Michigan, and they needed a match. They had lost a match. They got rained out, and we were there, and we had a date uh, left on our schedule uh, the way it worked out. So um, it was a phenomenal opportunity for us to play on, on Thursday with the women, and uh, I, I it was amazing. They 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 battled. They played super strong, and um, it was good tennis all around. And you know, our our break is so early. We don't really match up with anyone, uh, so there's really you know it's it's hard to find matches. Mm -hmm. um, and this week we we did a lot more training, which was very beneficial. We got a lot of things in place. You could see by our doubles play was strong because we we were able to work on some stuff early in the week. Uh, so I was I was really pleased. Really great opportunities to test ourselves right off the bat. Yeah, you mentioned Hannah Sweeney winning the her match against the number one player for Rollins. Uh, where have you seen her and her development? It seems like she's picking up right where she left off. Great year last year as well, of course, uh, for Bates. Yeah, she's you know like all the curls on the team. They're just they work really hard. Um, Hannah's super coachable. Um, she has a very unique game. Uh, she mixes up the tempo, but we've given her sort of the ability to hit. Uh, a higher tempo ball, uh, a heavier ball, and her serve has come along. You know, it's it's starting to be a really massive serve that she can dictate and get some free points, some aces, which, you know, she didn't have last year, which is really fun to see. Um, but n no matter who watches her play, they'll say the same thing. 
she's a rock. She's mentally tough. She fights every single point. It doesn't matter who she plays. So it's an inspiration to the rest of the team. But I think we have that collectively, uh, one through uh, 11 on the women's team. And no one gives up. They, they fight for every point. Win or lose, they come back and they reset and they play another tough point. And uh, it's, it's really cool to see. Certainly on the men's side, the, the doubles point you won against Rollins. Tell us about the doubles teams and how they're shaping up. Well, you know, when you graduate a couple superstar doubles players in, in our lineup like Ben Rosen and Josh Liner, who were part of our doubles from freshman year, you know, it's tough. We had to kind of mix everything up. And, uh, you know, we have some up-and-comers, you know, guys who have been in the lineup but are more singles players who have really grown as doubles players over the last couple of years. So um, Jacob, of course, uh, Coppola was with Ben as an All-American in doubles. And uh, so he and Q uh, are just like, they're so super athletic. And I think that's what we have on this team is a lot of athleticism. And I mean, there's nothing they can't do. And what we're working on is really locking in making sure we're focused, making sure we're playing the right uh, game plan and simplifying because they have so many options. <laughs> they're, they're super talented, but we're trying to, you know, rein that in and, and play a more basic game. Uh, but Q and Cop are playing unbelievable together. And then uh, Vid and Glover um, really playing some good ball together. I mean, again, super athletic, just amazing hands, super fast. And, and then we have uh, Dwayne, AKA Diesel and uh, Alex Kennedy, uh, two bomb serves playing three three doubles uh, right now. Uh, things are subject to change as the season moves on, but you know when you have two serves over 120 miles an hour at three doubles, um, if we're consistent with it, you know that's that's a, a pretty solid point for us. So. Yeah, I've been in Merrill Gym to see Dwayne Davis is always out here doing work out there. It seems like he's really working hard on that serve. He is. Uh, we're trying to. He's so strong. We're trying to get him to focus on loosening up and 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 letting his racket speed do the work. And I think that's making a big difference this year. He's he's really locked into that, and he's getting a lot more uh, of his location down. He can he can put the ball wherever he wants consistently. And uh, it's just such a heavy ball. It sets up your partner at the net every time. It's an easy volley for the most part. So the tennis team's home this weekend. Tell us about the matchups we got coming up right here at Merrill Gym. Well, it doesn't matter if it's Division Two, One, or Three. Our opponents are all tough. Um, we've got Mount Holyoke coming in this weekend uh, for the women on Saturday, and then the men face off against Wheaton. And you know we have to play our best tennis every time we go out there. I think. Uh, that's the biggest thing we work on is bringing full intensity and really controlling the things we control and, and playing our brand of tennis and our intensity and our focus is what we're trying to lock in and make the same no matter who our opponent is. And then you're going to have good results if we do that. If we play towards you know one way versus one opponent, another way versus another opponent, we're not going to play well. So it's really monitoring our level, our mode making sure we're doing everything the same way in terms of our preparation leading up to it, in terms of our psyche going into the match and our focus and and treating each opponent with respect. You know, no matter who we play, we want to treat them like they're Roger Federer or Serena Williams and and say, hey, on t today is a day that I need to prove I am the best competitor out there. And if I do that, good things will happen. So, and then Sunday we, we uh, 
face off against uh, my former player, uh, who's now the coach at Brandeis, Ben Lamana, and his two squads on uh, Sunday, the women at 10 and the men to follow at 3. So they're a very good program. He's done an amazing job. Uh, a lot of respect for what he's done over there. And uh, it's always a challenge playing Brandeis because I know they're very well coached and, and they're pretty feisty. But we're looking forward to uh, the opportunity this weekend. Well, how many former players do you have in the coaching ranks? Uh, right now, I have two. So Ben Lamana is at Brandeis and Will Beauregard's at Sacred Heart, uh, Division One team in uh, Connecticut. And so uh, another former assistant, Jason Box, is the head coach at Swarthmore now. So it's pretty neat to have uh, people that have been part of our program who are having success on their own out there. Is this the first time you'll be squaring off against one of your former players, though? No, uh, we play we yeah. we play Brandeis every year, okay. um, and it's always a grudge match. And <laughs> and whoever wins at the end, we kind of give each other a hug and say, "I'm great job. I'm sorry I beat you, but I'm I'm also very happy." <laughs> Hopefully, we're on that side of it this time. Certainly. What are your thoughts on the, uh, the the meat of the season coming up here in in March and April? We're just take we just take take it day by day, and you know there's a lot of tennis to play. There's a lot of time to improve. Uh, the busy part of the semester is right around the corner with finals coming up. So that's something we talk about every day: is just consistently being on top of our schoolwork, getting our rest, getting to sleep at a reasonable hour every night, and training hard. And then we're, you know, the, the objective is get better every day. Find some part of your game to get better every day. And, you know, we're focused on our, our uh, beacon or, you know, our, our end goal at the end is to do something, you know, really great at the end of the season. But w we control our day-to-day -day process. If we do that really well and we take care of our things, we're going to be better teammates. We're going to be better competitors with each other. And, and as a team, we'll be stronger. All right, Paul Gassingay, thanks so much. Thank you. The baseball team opened its season with a trip to Florida as well, dropping four games with Augustana before ending the trip on a high note on Saturday when the Bobcats defeated Capital University 12-3. Senior Justin Foley struck out a career-high 10 batters in the win. Through five games, the Bates' offense has been strong, with the Bobcats hitting 321 as a team. Speaking of strong offenses, head coach Mikkel Barnes is very excited about the Bates' softball team's lineup this year. With a strong returning core and some exciting newcomers, the Bobcats are ready to make a splash in the NESCAC. Their season gets underway Sunday in Florida. Time to preview the Bates softball season here on the Bobcast with head coach Mikkel Barnes. And, well, coach, first of all, last year obviously set a program record for wins in one season. Obviously, it was a breakthrough year for the team. What's kind of the next step in your mind to take this team from, you know, 20 wins last year, NESCAC tournament bid to, you know, maybe be one of the top, you know, two teams in, the, um, in you know, in, in your division, basically? Yeah, really good question. I think last year was a lot of fun. I think uh, what that did for our returners was um, give them a mindset of why not us. And, and I think moving on to this year, you know, we still have, um, or not still, but we have a group of six incoming first years who have never played. So last year we've been really um, just letting it stay in the past mm. and, um, and just thinking about what we have, the task at hand uh, coming up and taking it one day at a time. And I think... Um, for those returners understanding that that has to be our mindset moving forward uh last year was fun but it we've we've turned that page and i think um, having that experience under our belts will be 
really, really great for us moving into this upcoming season and under, understanding that um, we're capable of really great things. So we certainly want to build on what we, what we started last year, but we, we understand that we've turned that page and now you know we have a new challenge in front of us. Well, in terms of returnees, you've got two All-Nez CAC returnees starting with In the Circle, uh, Kirsten Pelletier in the year she had last season, probably everything you hope for when you're recruiting from Meselonsky High School, right? Absolutely. KP uh, has been our workhorse for the last two years, and we uh, expect more of that uh, and expect her to continue to improve uh, in, into this year and next. Um, she, she has a really unique mindset, and I think that's something that separates her from many other pitchers across our conference. Um, she knows that her best stuff will be your best stuff, and what more can you ask for from a coach? And you had first-year Caroline Bass last season, now a sophomore, come in, and all she did was win the NESCAC batting title. Yeah, <laughs> unreal. Um, you know, to lead the NESCAC in batting average as a, as a first-year is really, really impressive. Caroline is also someone who's never satisfied. Uh, she continuously works on her craft, and um, her toolbox is pretty full with different styles of at-bats, and I think that makes her really dangerous. Obviously, her speed is incredible, and you can't teach that. Uh, she just has a great knack for the game, and, and we trust her instincts. And um, what she decides, I'm on board with, uh, whether it's up at bat or, or running the bases. Um, I, I trust her uh, full-heartedly. And then you have a couple seniors. Dre Russo obviously has been a big-time contributor her whole time here at Bates. Also does some indoor track. We've talked to her about that. Um, i got to be excited to have her back at the top of the lineup also, right? Yeah, absolutely. Dre has put in so much work these last uh, three years now going into her fourth year. And I think, um, you know, understanding and seeing the fruits of her labor paying off has been really exciting uh, for me to watch. And I know for her as well, too. Uh, and so we're looking for Dre to, to be a leader and to, um, you know, I think our one of our assistant coaches, Coach Danica, had a really good uh, thing to say to her as far as she's a, she's a table setter. Um, and we're going to continue to look on and, and lean on her to do that for us this upcoming season. Certainly. We talked about one of your returning pitchers, um, Kirsten Pelletier, but also Peyton Buxton, who contributed you know, at the plate just like KP did last year, but also in the circle. What's her next step you know, going in as a sophomore, you know, coming in you know, from a pitching perspective perhaps? Yeah, Peyton has really, really great stuff, and it's it's sneaky good because she has this very quiet presence on the mound. She's very calm, cool, and collected, and we can always count on her to maintain that. Uh, I think for Peyton to, in her sophomore season, we want to see her continue to develop those movement pitches on a more consistent basis. And I think um, she's been, we've been seeing that in practice. And, and certainly, you know, we want our pitchers peaking um, at the right time in the season. So we're going to continue that improvement. Uh, but I think for, for Peyton and KP, it's just that mindset of um, getting a good drive off the mound and, and hitting their spin pitches um, well so that they're, they're throwing the ball hard and obviously keeping the batters off balance. So we want to continue to see Peyton and KP both take steps in improvement in that area, and we should see good things from that. Returning behind the plate, catching Mary Collette, who stepped in last year as a first year and took the starting job and didn't let go. I mean, that's probably pretty impressive to have someone come in and do that right away at a demanding position like catcher. Absolutely, and Mary has 
exceeded all of our expectations and uh, she works her tail off behind the plate and hopefully with more catching depth this season we can uh, provide a little bit um, of a break for for her to keep her fresh and again we want to be peaking going into NESCAC playoffs and and I think staying fresh um, we now have that flexibility to do that Uh, but certainly Mary what we've seen from her is really develop her leadership Um, the way that she talks to her teammates the way that she talks to the younger catching staff has been really impressive um, and it's something that we want to continue to see Mary thrive in and, and continue to grow and, and certainly uh, we believe she's capable of that. You mentioned the, the more catching depth this year. I've noticed on the roster more so than maybe even past years you have players up and down the roster they either have utility by their name or just multiple positions they can play. Tell us about that dynamic having players being able to play all over the field. Yeah, that's been one of our primary recruiting strategies in the last couple years. Um, And I think we're starting to see that strategy really come to fruition. And um, the more ability that we have to have that flexibility or the the flexibility that we have within that has been um, really, really beneficial for us. We can shift different people around. You know, sometimes it's, it's... based on who's hot hitting. And if we're able to defensively make some changes to get whoever's hot in the lineup, fantastic. Um, I think having that utility background, you're more of a student of the game. You understand what the game is giving you and versus uh, staying very boxed in into your position and not really knowing what else is taking place. I think we try to really, really communicate that the more you're a student of the game, the better off you're going to be. And in game time, real time, uh, trust those instincts. And, um, you know, you have to make fast decisions and um, we we have to ensure that our players are well prepared to do that. And I think being able to play different positions um, helps really build uh, those skills there. I know you're very excited about the first year class. Tell us, tell us about them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are very excited. I think, um, you know, all six of them bring first and foremost a really unique personality. Uh, they are they're hardworking. They're committed to excellence. You know, in the classroom, they've been really doing well, and that can always be a uh, unknown transition. And so we're proud of them for that work. Uh, they ask really really great questions. I would say that's probably one of the biggest differences we've seen with this first year class compared to other years is that they ask really good questions. Um, they they want to know. They're hungry for knowledge. Uh, they work hard. Uh, and, and from that, you know, I think naturally we see this depth and skill where we, we haven't had this kind of depth since I've been here. And the first year class, I think, are um, a huge anchor in that. And, um, you know, they come from pretty much yeah. all over the country. And so their background and experience, uh, their different culture, their different personalities, how that is being sprinkled into our program. We've seen um, just our overall culture be really, really positive and supportive and inclusive. And uh, I think people are jiving and and using each other more now than I've ever seen in years past. So um, the first years are really exciting. They're a lot of fun to get to know. They have great senses of humor and um, you know, we certainly are excited to see what they're able to do on the softball field. Two of them are from Hawaii, I know. Uh, how did you go about recruiting them from Hawaii to come up to Lewiston? Oh, really good question. So uh, it's it was a little bit of luck. It was um, 
I work a, a camp out in Southern California every summer and Janelle and Kennedy had come to this camp and the way that the camp's designed, I'm able to coach uh, players or, or camp attendees. And throughout this camp, you figure out like there are some players that you just click with and some players that you jive with a little bit more than others. And Kennedy and Janelle were both two players who immediately you know, got the circle on, on my sheet. Um, within that, we, we got them out to campus and here's where the luck came in. It was a, a perfect 78 degree day. <laughs> yeah. um, for Janelle, I think Kennedy came a little bit later. Is one of those really hot fall days that we had in September a couple years ago. Uh, so we couldn't ask for better weather. And you know they got on campus, and um, it just it just worked. And um, so between seeing them and, and working with them out at the camp. Um, you know, we were able to establish a good relationship there. And then obviously when they came on campus, the luck, luck swung our way that day. And I've been hearing they can both really hit Janelle and Kennedy. Holy smokes. They can. Yes. Um, they, they're different style of hitters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kennedy, she slaps, um, but she can also slap for power. She can also stand still and hit for power. She gives us, um, you know, an, uh, either a Dre or a Caroline 2.0. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's going to be really exciting stuff for our lineup. And then Janelle, she just she swings the bat. It's unreal. Uh, she's she has tremendous hands. She has tremendous barrel control. Um, you know, we're we're thinking she'll be slated right into that maybe three four slot. Uh, I certainly think that she'll be one of our top hitters, and uh, we're excited to see what she's going to be able to do. Yeah, in that middle of that order, I mean, Julia Panapento, another returner, she's a, obviously known for her leadership in volleyball and a great leader on the softball field as well, right? Absolutely. Julia, uh, she's unlike probably any other athlete here at Bates. Um, not only is she one of you know the top leaders in the athletic program, but uh, the amount of work that she puts in, into the weight room is extremely impressive. And so she's, she's into that Olympic lift, which is pretty yes. neat. Um, but she has this, she has this gritty, just X factor energy that you can't teach or you can't coach. It's just ingrained in her personality. And, um, you know, she, she's a hard worker and I think, um, you know, she sets the example uh, for others to follow and we never have to worry about what kind of energy Julia is going to bring. Um, you know, she, she brings that onto the uh, volleyball court, and we, and we see that also on the softball field. And so it's, it's something special to watch, and we're very lucky to have her. Looking at the NESCAC this year, I mean, I know last year, obviously, within your division, Tufts and Bowdoin were, you know, pretty good opponents. You beat both of them, though, once, which was huge, right? I mean, what, how's NESCAC shape up in your eyes this year? Yeah, I, and I could be wrong about this. I don't think that's ever happened before where we've beat Bowdoin and Tufts in the same season. Mm. Uh, and, and I think for us, you know, we no longer, I, I don't think we're sitting right in the middle of, of that division. I think we're going to be at the very top of the, of the division. I think we have the pieces in place. Obviously, we have to execute. Yeah. Um, but I certainly think that we will be right in that mix of, of playing for the number one seed in the East Division. Who? might I add, host this year. Oh, there you go. Um, That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, Tufts and, and Bowdoin and Trinity and Colby, you know, all good opponents. But I think for us to, there's not anyone that we're fearful of. Mm -hmm. There's not anyone that we think that can outplay us. Um, we just have to do our jobs and do it well and execute and take care of our business. 
So this Florida trip, I know last year, a lot of success on the Florida trip last season. Did you feel like that really set the tone? And are you emphasizing that to your team this year, that last year was so key to get these early wins in non-conference, even though they don't necessarily play in you know NESCAC tournament seating and whatnot? Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, we, we have turned the page from we, – we haven't even discussed last year's F- Florida trip, uh, to oh, be I, honest yeah. with you. Um, I think, you know, lo- we're actually looking ahead uh, to our opponents this year for Florida, and we've, we've got a tough schedule, mm. um, which is a good thing. And I think we're going to see our competition this year in Florida be stronger than what we faced last year in Florida. Um, I don't think we're really lo- thinking about an overall record walking mm-hmm. away. Obviously, we want to you know, yeah. win as many games as we can, but what we really, really want to do is prepare ourselves for NESCAC series when we're back, um, and that's putting together good at-bats. That's obviously um, hitting our spots pitching, um, defensively, obviously playing sound games. So if we do all of those things, I think we'll see that we'll compete and, and hopefully play well and win some games, and, and obviously it always feels good to come home you know, riding high. Um, but we, we certainly go into this trip just wanting to take care of our business. And um, so with that, you know, we want to we wanna prepare ourselves as much as possible. We open with Tufts, and we know that that's going to be a tough series down in Medford. Mm-hmm. So playing stronger teams, that's going to just help us prepare more so. Um, so whatever our record looks like from that, we you know, Hopefully it's a good one, um, but again, we're, we're more focused on our process of just playing the game the right way, um, getting some live at-bats under our belt, touching dirt. Yeah. I say this every year, touching dirt for the first time, right. <laughs> um, which is crazy, but uh, par for the course, and, and we certainly, I think, just grab a hold of that and run with it, and, and hey, it is what it is. Let's, let's go have fun doing it. All right, Michael Barnes, thanks so much for previewing the softball season with us. Thank you, Aaron. And track and field. The Bates men placed eighth at the New England Division III Indoor Championships hosted by MIT. Junior captain Brendan Donahue led the way with a PR in the heptathlon, scoring 4,580 points, 21 points above his previous best score. You do the heptathlon in the, in the winter, then you do the decathlon in the spring. How did you first get into these multi-events? Because it's obviously a, a, a grueling process. Certainly you get to master different uh, events that are, you know, sometimes have no relation to each other. How'd that first develop for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, so in high school, uh, I had done soccer, basketball, and track. And um, in track, I kind of just most, mostly focused primarily on the jumps. Um, but heading into college, um, I met with Coach Fresh prior to uh, applying to Bates. And I said, maybe I'm, I'm interested in doing track, um, particularly the, the jumps. And it was something my coaches in high school talked about a few times, seeing whether or not I wanted to explore the multi. Um, but it wasn't until I got to Bates, that first meeting with Fresh, where he, he sat me down and said, hey, you've got the perfect frame for it. I'd love to explore it with you. Um, and my dad's a Batesy. He, uh, he high jumped here. Um, so I'm kind of living in his legacy a little bit. Um, and he takes pride in it. And he, it was always something that he wishes he had done. And so I think that he was a hurdler jumper. And so I think coming here, uh, originally wasn't so sure I was going to do track. And then I met with Coach Fresh and he got me amped up. And I was really excited about exploring um, the potential of doing the multi. Also, it was about the time Ashton Eaton set the world record in um, the Olympics. And uh-huh. so that, that, that was the Olympic record, excuse me. And so that was, that was pretty pretty awesome to see. So I think that got me in the mindset right. that this is something I want to actually pursue. Interesting. Your dad competed here. Was that for Walt Savlinski then? Yeah, okay. yeah. So my dad was 1984 was when he graduated. Okay. Uh, he was a 6'8 high jumper. So he, yeah, he, he, he kind of instilled that love for track 
Um, nice. Is High Jump the first one you started really doing, or when uh, did? So yeah, I, actually, so early my my first couple years of high school, I primarily just did long jump and triple jump, mm-hmm. and I wasn't any good at, good at it. And then uh, later in high school, I think with a couple of meets left, I explored the high jump and um, the hurdles, and I had some success in the hurdles and also the high jump. And so I was like, oh, what else could I pick up? So that's kind of let it lend its, itself well into what I've done here. And you often have to compete, not by yourself, but like in a separate day from everyone else, right? Because yeah. it's an involved process. What's that dynamic like? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really different because usually I was so accustomed to going to, into a track meet and it's just being like, you show up, you do a couple events, yada, yada, yada. But this is a lot more taxing than any other event because it's, it's not just physical, it's also mental. And I think, especially in this past weekend, I learned a little bit more about the mental aspect and how you have to really have a short-term memory when it comes to each event because you have to think of it as a collective event rather than just a single a single event that will take you through the entire thing. So it's 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 a conglomeration of many different uh, athletic feats. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, let's talk about this weekend because on paper, we were talking off-air, you know, it was your most points you've ever scored in the heptathlon, yeah. but you were not satisfied. Tell us about what, what more there's out there for you possibly on the table. Yeah, so uh, in the past couple seasons, I've had it's it's I the way I look at the multi, and I think Coach Fresh thinks of it in very similar terms is it's it's a building process, and so it's you kind of start at square one, and in many respects, you're you're building at each event, and there's development, and a lot of times improvement in certain events will lead to a higher score, and so that first meet, I was I was satisfied with the with the qualifier earlier at Bates, the quad meet, I was pretty satisfied with the score, but, um, yeah, just, uh, um, going into this meet, I was expecting a big long jump and a big, uh, shot put, but unfortunately I, uh, I kind of got in my head a little bit, but I think, so that's part of learning the mental game of this sport. And, um, it's something you definitely have to develop. And so ideally, um, if I had another chance, I would, uh, there's a, I, I know exactly what I would have to do, and, and so I think it's, it's, it's a learning process, and even as a junior, I'm still, still trying to get a grasp of it. So, yeah. so to give our audience some context, right after the meet, you were 17th, but a few other meets wrapped up, and now you're 23rd right now yeah. in the country. They take 20. There's no opportunity to last chance meet for this particular you know, event, the heptathlon in general, so it's just a waiting game for you. What's, what's this waiting game like? Um, so, yeah, it's... it's uh, this year they changed the rule the NCAA where they take they used to take 15 athletes but now they take 20, um, so that's a little bit different and uh, a lot more guys are getting in five more um, specifically, um, so it it depends on whether or not I get in is uh, contingent on the fact whether or not people declare, um, so if someone's good in an individual event say for instance someone's jumping 6'10 in the high jump they may declare in that event and not the heptathlon, um, so there is a chance but um, so right now I'm I'm. I'm on the fence of whether I'll, I will go. Right now, I'm not. Um, but if, even, even if I'm not, uh, my focus is going to be to bring it in the decathlon and outdoors and hopefully get a good qualifier in that will put me in the top fifth, at least top 10 for the rest of the season. That would be ideal. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Well, tell us what events are added when you move to outdoor season. Yeah, so we, we've, uh, the added events are javelin, uh, discus. Um, the hurdles switched to 110, the 100 dash, uh, the 400, the 1500. That's always been my Achilles heel. I'm not, not a good runner, as many of my teammates can attest, <laughs> and even my coach. Um, but uh, 
so it's it's an entirely different game, uh, and in many ways, adding the the throwing events really really is almost like an adrenaline rush for me because a lot of it's new to me. But anytime you catch a big throw, I, I, I there's it's it's an, I can't even explain the sensation it is through like being able to huck a discus 120 feet. Yeah, and it's nice to have Coach Fresh coaching you oh, there. Absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely. His experience is unparalleled with any other coach. So it's it's amazing having him as a resource. I, also, I, know, I was talking with Amanda Kaufman who does multi-events on the women's side. Yeah. She said it's really nice. You get, you get to know kind of everyone on your team because, you know, sometimes sprinters are just with sprinters or distance runners just for distance runners. But you have to work – you work with everybody, right? Absolutely. And um, that's been an awesome experience because, like, I think, like, uh, I, I primarily work with the jumpers and sprinters, but um, at times, like, I'll have uh, – before a race, I'll have someone run – one of the distance runners run a couple laps around the track with me. Um, I also get to work, and this year it's awesome having the Maltese and Liam and Garrett uh, being by my side. Last year was kind of a void with not having someone in that department, but um, yeah, so it's 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 pretty cool because I get to I get to interact with the entire team, and I think a lot of people don't. Um, and I also just like I have, it, you gain such a, a lot more admiration for what they're doing and what they have to the the preparation they have to put into being really good at an event because it's easy for me to like look at an event and be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna do well in this event but i have this i see for the how how hard these guys work at these individual events and even the gal so it's it's pretty pretty an awesome experience to be part of for sure brendan donahue all new england and heptathlon thanks so much for joining us on the bobcast absolutely thanks for having me in women's track and field senior captain aiden eikoff bettered her personal record in the mile by more than five seconds Good for a second-place finish at New England. Eikhoff is the second-fastest miler in Bates history and is currently ranked seventh in the country. First-year Elise Lambert also made a big splash, becoming the ninth-fastest 800-meter runner in the country, two spots behind Eikhoff. The Bobcats placed tenth as a team at New England's and look to have a strong contingent prepared to compete at the NCAA championships. Bates track and field athletes who hope to qualify for NCAAs will get one more shot this Saturday at Tufts. The skiing teams hosted the Bates Carnival over the weekend, which doubled this year as the NCAA East Regional Championships. Bates finished 7th out of 14 teams overall, the Bobcats' best finish in a carnival this season. We will have more skiing coverage next week when we chat with Griffin Mueller and Kalen Woods, the Bobcats who were once again selected on Tuesday to compete at the NCAA Championships. We'll also recap the first NESCAC games of the season for the lacrosse teams. Both the women and the men take on Middlebury this Saturday, with the men hosting the Panthers at 1 p.m. Select Bates squash players compete at individual nationals this week, and the tennis teams welcome Mount Holyoke, Wheaton, and Brandeis to Merrill Gym. Find the complete schedule at GoBatesBobcats.com. And we'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates! Bates!